So welcome everybody. Uh, we're um, we're going to have a little bit different process with this book than we've had with other books, which we have just read straight through. Um, and the process for people who are just joining us is uh, first to read the koan. And I think, Kim, we won't do the five minutes at the beginning of meditation because we'll be doing um, sitting through the um, through this little process. So we'll read the koan. Uh, I'll read the koan and we'll sit for five minutes and then someone else will read the koan and woman's uh, commentary and we'll sit for five minutes and we'll write for five minutes and then we'll read Guogu's um, commentary and then we'll discuss the commentary if we, when we have time at the end. So, and we'll do that in breakout rooms and small groups. So um, we are currently, I think we finished the introduction, right? Yes, we're ready for the koan. Should I sh share it? Yes, that would be great. The very short koan, and it's the first koan. It's always traditionally the first koan that uh, people are given to work on when they're doing koan study. Uh, it's uh, Zhao Zhou's dog. Sometimes you'll see this written as Joshu, um, but Zhao Zhou is the uh, Chinese spelling of it. Um, Zhao Zhou's dog. A monk asked Zhao Zhou, does a dog have Buddha nature or not? Xiao Zhou said, Wu. So five minutes sitting, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to time that? Sure. Okay.
So you can think of a koan as like a little, as like a probe or like a, as though a pebble is dropped into a still pond and you see what the ripples are for you. Um, and now we will read the, uh, the koan and then uh, Wu Men's comment. And so we need one more person to read that, uh, the koan and woman's comment. So who would like to do that? I can't actually see everybody. I'll be happy to read the comment. This is Martha. Or do you want me to read the koan? I don't really care which one. Read the koan and the comment. Ah. Okay. A monk asks Zaku, does a dog have a Buddha nature or not? Zaku said, Woof. Wulin's comment. To study Chan, you must pass through the barrier of our lineage masters. To realize wondrous awakening, you must exhaust the ways of the deluded mind. If you do not pass through the barrier of the lineage masters and do not exhaust the ways of the mind, then all that you do would amount to being a spirit haunting the forest and fields. But tell me, what is this barrier of this lineage masters? It is just this one word, Wu, which, which is also the gate of Chan, the gateless barrier of Chan. If you can pass through it, you will not only see Zahruth in person, but will be able to walk together hand in hand with all the generation of lineage masters to see through the same eyes as they do and hear through the same ears as they do. Wouldn't that be delightful? Do any of you want to pass through this barrier? Arouse a mass of doubt throughout your whole being, extending through your 360 bones, your 84,000 pores, as you come to grips with this word, woo. Bring it up and keep your attention on it day and night. Do not construe this woo as void or nothingness, and do not understand it in terms of having or having not, or not having. It is as if you had swallowed a red hot iron ball and you cannot spit it out, extinguishing the erroneous knowledge and experience. In time, you will become ripe and your patience will become pervasive and whole. You practice. I I'm sorry. Your, your practice will become uh, pervasive and whole. Thank you. <laughs> How very, very important. Your practice will become pervasive and whole. Like a mute who has a dream, only you would know it for yourself. Suddenly, awakening burst forth, astonishing heaven and shaking the earth. It is like snatching General Guan Yu's sword into your own hands, slaying both Buddhas and lineage masters as you meet them. On this shore of birth and death, you are free. You roam and play in samadhi in the midst of the six paths and the four types of birth in all experience. 
Still, how will you take up Zahuzu with all of your life force to be, wait, well, excuse me, with all of your life force to bring forth the word Vu? If you can do this without interruption, then like a Dharma lamp, it takes only a single spark to suddenly light up. A dog, Buddha nature, the truth manifest in full. As soon as there is having or lacking, you will be harmed and life will be lost. Okay. So we'll sit for five minutes and then we are going to write for about five minutes after that. Okay. Can I ring the bell each time or would you rather just do five minutes? Um, no, ring the bell. I think that's helpful.
So in this, um, what, you know, my, and from my pers perspective, um, the commentary is often as puzzling as the koan. So, uh, so in this little bit of writing, just write whatever comes to mind. It's not uh, intended to be some formal response or anything like that. Just whatever has come to your mind or whatever you have noticed <coughs> in this encounter with this koan. So just five minutes.
so now we'll do our regular reading in order of this uh, Guo Gu's comment. So it's a paragraph per person, and we, um, we will go in alphabetical order by first name. So um, some of you know what your first names are. So if you click on the um, uh, little icon that says participants at the bottom of your screen, you'll, get, you'll see a list of the participants and their names. And so, um, just for a, I'm just doing it for a moment so we can see. See if you um, see where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we'll begin, and I think Barbara is the first one to be to be reading. You can read the, it's the first one is just one sentence. So read the paragraph that follows too. She's muted. Barbara's muted. People can mute, unmute themselves. Yeah. You can mute and unmute yourself. There you go, Barbara. Master Woman is indeed very compassionate, revealing so clearly the key to practice realization. What is it that binds you? Why do you experience obstructions? All the teachings in Chan and Bodhidharma expose the truth about delusion, which is fueled by the discursive discriminating mind. The discriminating mind is not your intelligence. You need that. Not does it nor does it refer to your ability to distinguish between this and that, which is a natural function of mind. The discriminating mind is self-referential uh, thinking, the assumption that there is an abiding, separate, independent I residing within you. It is this that robs you of your true nature its proliferation destroys lives, families, and nations. Thus, to exhaust the ways of the mind is to exhaust all the tricks of self-referentiality and grasping so you can pass through the barrier of our lineage masters and realize your inherent freedom. This is wondrous awakening. If you examine I cannot first. see the list. <clears throat> Did you click on participants at the bottom? Yes. But you now um, it says only the host can share in this meeting. And 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 I can't see the book at all. I just have a white yeah. screen. Oh, yes. okay. Well, well, wait, let me work again on that. Well, that's what I was saying, actually, first. <clears throat> I have the book, I can read from it, but. Okay, now I can see it. Okay. Thank you. I still, I still have the message. I see, I have the text. Yeah. But I see the message of uh, only the host can share in this meeting. That's yeah. all right. Yeah, you, you, you're, you were clicking on share screen or something. You want to click on participants and then you'll get a list. I, I already did. Okay, well, anyway. It was. Yes. 
Do you have a list of purchases? It's okay now. It's okay now. It's okay. Because Clark, Clark will be next and then Donna. And then you and then Ellen. Okay, thank you. If you examine closely, there's a sense of self that lies at the center of your every decision, view, feeling, and thinking. It seems permanent, separate from everything around you, and is seem seemingly autonomous. It is that which makes you feel you are who you are. But this self is just a deep-seated assumption, because what you actually experience internally is quite confusing, scattered, and contradicting. Sometimes you feel this, other times you feel that. You doubt yourself, criticize yourself, and boast about yourself. In front of one person, you may feel confident. In front of another, you may be weak. Rarely do you feel grounded, unified, or congruent. Yet despite these varied experiences, the conviction of an abiding self is strong. You rarely question its existence, even though you don't really know what self means. Even though you may not know exactly what the self is, you discriminate between this and that based on your sense of self. Yet there is absolutely nothing that is substantial about this self. It's not the body and definitely not the ever-changing flux of feelings and thoughts. Recognizing how deeply you trust in the mechanism of discriminating thoughts, such as having and lacking, Let's see, recognize, recognize, recognize how deeply you trust in the mechanism of discriminating thoughts, such as having and lacking. How much your life is vested in perpetuating this fundamental way of living. How can you live without a sense of self? Actually, you can live much better freer. The self is a fantasy. It is a construct that prevents you from experiencing the preciousness of every moment. In Chan practice, it is not necessary or possible to theorize about what is the self. What is essential is to see through that which fuels it, the discriminating mind. To do this, you must collect its most superficial layer, which consists of scattered, fragmented thoughts. By focusing your mind, your discursive, discriminating thoughts will diminish. You may, sorry, you will feel more grounded, your sense of self more congruent. You may even experience a unified sense of self, feeling inseparable from the environment, from the past and future. You may feel that all things change, but yourself does not. Even though this experience may fade away, the, the feel, feelings from it will persist. Is this awakening? No. This is the unified self. There is still attachment there, but it is a state in which the discriminating mind is the weakest. When the unified self finally vanishes, that is awakening. Oh, uh, I was lost in thought on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, Can yeah. we say something? 
Yeah. You? Yeah. So I'm just curious. I mean, I know this has been a, a ongoing curiosity. You read this this uh, description of the way you might be in order to understand this, but you're not there. I mean, it's it's um, it's just an interesting distance. It's, yeah. it's I guess it's like you you tell someone what love is about, and no matter how well you describe it, they're not going to get it. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not conveyable by by language in that way, and uh, still. We have to say something, right? Right. Yeah. That book's up there. <laughs> no, there really is a book. Peg yeah. knows it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The absence of the discriminating mind does not mean that you lose your will to live, that you no longer care about anything, or that you can't discern what is right from wrong. It simply means that the false sense of an imagined, assumed self has vanished. Finally, you are grounded, as normal as one can possibly be, experiencing the world as it is. The world becomes clearer. Everything exists except for your self-referentiality, your self-attachment. This is wisdom. Because everything is there, you see the suffering and the joy and potential of all being. Your actions respond intimately to all beings. This is compassion. Having realized awakening is not the end of the path. Life goes on and while you have tasted liberation, vexations may still return. And so practice continues not for you or to help others. It continues in the most natural way by responding to everyone and everything without injecting your sense of self. The sense of gaining and losing, having and lacking, grasping and rejecting into the midst of all that you experience. You simply respond to what the situation calls for. Because self-grasping is absent from your perspective, there is no more gaining or losing than grasping or rejecting as if these dualities can exist only on the traces of self-referentiality. When they are not there, you can truly help living beings, your family members, your friends, people around you, and the world. This is, quote, to walk together hand in hand with all the generations of lineage masters, to see through the same eyes as they do and to hear through the same ears as they do. This is the Bodhisattva path. How do you engage in practice then? Take up this koan, this case. Does a dog have Buddha nature? Wu. Wu can be translated as no, or does not, or lack thereof. But in this case, Wu is not a negation, as in the dog does not have Buddha nature, nor is it an affirmation. What we must bring forth in this sense of questioning, of not knowing, and of wonderment, neither yes nor no, having nor not having, what is it? <laughs> uh, in the story, the monk asked Chan Master Zhao Zhu Hong Shen the question, 
does a dog have Buddha nature? You can rest assured that the monk knew very well the basic teaching of Mahayana Buddhism that all beings have Buddha nature. Yet he asked this wonderful question. Some may think he is an idiot, asking the obvious. Others may interpret his question to Master Zhao Zhu as teacher. I have been practicing all of these years and I know very well that beings, me included, have Buddha nature. But where is my Buddha nature? Why is it that I'm not awakened? Still, someone may understand the monk's question as a test of his teacher. Teacher, all beings have Buddha nature. Does a dog have Buddha nature? Presenting the problem in this way, he challenges the teacher to present the answer. Teacher, show me. Yet avoiding the intellectual trap, the teacher just says, woo. And he answered, why yes, the dog has Buddha nature. Then perhaps the monk would have had a follow-up question. When is the dog going to be awakened and become a Buddha? All sorts of problems would have arisen. Sounds like a game of chess. <laughs> Wu is to oops, yeah, okay. Wu is to turn the cards around. To present you with Wu would be for you to take up the question. So I ask you, show me your Buddha nature. You must bring every ounce of your being to the question. What is Wu? It is neither having nor not having. <coughs> neither yes nor no. So what is it? Nurture this sense of not knowing, of wonderment. Bring yourself from a fragmented, scattered sense of self to a concentrated self, focusing on this question. Then become one with this sense of questioning, of wonderment, of not knowing, until the whole world collapses into it and everything is consumed by it. This is the unified self. Master woman, the compiler of this case, causes arousing a mass of doubt throughout your own being. No, throughout your whole being. Oh, what did I say? Oh. A mass of doubt throughout your own being. No. <laughs> a mass of doubt throughout your whole being. There you go. There you have it. <laughs> what did I say? Oh. Own? Yeah. Oh. Twice. twice. She said it twice. Move. <laughs> <laughs> have a way to go. It's enlightened now. <laughs> Some teachers may advise students just to be one with Wu. This is not enough. Of what use is it to be one, to stay there in the oneness? The key ingredient is the sense of questioning, wonderment, not knowing. This sense of wonderment will prevent you from stagnating in a mere unified state and provide the condition to shatter the last bit of self-grasping. 
Traditionally, this questioning or wonderment is called the doubt sensation. I think it's you, Matt. Oh, uh, Martha's not here anymore? Oh, there she is. You're muted, Martha. I was really enjoying reading that paragraph. I'm happy to start again. <laughs> As mentioned in the introduction, doubt, sensation, or feeling is not suspicion, but a deep sense of not knowing. It is a feeling of angst, wonderment, questioning, and an absorption in it. This means, what is woo? Don't know. What is woo? Don't know. Any answer that comes up is just a trick of the destructive, discriminating mind. Discursive. Otherwise known as discursive, discriminating <laughs> mind. You have to put it down and continue asking, what is woo? What is it? There will be many fanciful answers. You may feel that woo is just emptiness, voidness, the truth of, the truth of no self. Wrong. That's just a concept, another product of the discriminating mind. Therefore, woman says, don't construe this woo as void or nothingness, and don't understand it in terms of having or not having. Many practitioners think they are enlightened when they sense that there is an intuitive, non-conceptual understanding of emptiness, or sunyata. Somehow they feel wiser, calmer, and clearer. This is not awakening. If you think or feel you're enlightened, you're definitely not. <laughs> Enlightenment is not a feeling. It is not a thought. It is not a state or experience. These concepts are results of separateness, dualistic thinking, self-grasping. Waves and lucidity, clarity and limpidity have nothing to do with the true nature of water. Experience and non-experience have nothing to do with the true nature of who you are. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> Imagining that your world will make a blade too, including every one of us. Then one day, the play do recognizes itself. Hey, I'm made up of play do. Why good play do feel that way? <laughs> if the whole world were made up of play do, there be no need for a notion of play do. It is absurd for play do person to think, I'm play do. Is there such a thing as no self or emptiness? No. If there were really something called no self or emptiness, then it would just be another concept to attach to. Is there awakening then? Yes. Do we seek after it? No. We just practice. <laughs> <laughs> the practice is to ask, what is woo? What is it? No matter what comes up when you ask, don't let go of this method until you reach a point where you are completely consumed by the question as if, quote, you had swallowed a red-hot iron ball that you cannot spit out, close quote. Who or why would anyone want to swallow a red-hot iron ball? 
The questioning, like the hot iron ball, once it is within you, will extinguish, quote, all the erroneous knowledge and experiences, close quote, that you hold dear. It is because of your attachment to them that you're unable to see your true nature. Another way to describe the practice is this. It's as if you had just placed a burning hot dumpling in your mouth, so delicious that you don't want to spit it out, and yet so hot that you can't swallow it. Mm. Yeah. Your meditation mm. work should be like this. That's what you have to do when you're using the method. Don't ever let go of it. In an intense charm retreat, for example, you must be with it at all times, in all places. What is woo? What is woo? What is woo? What is it? Don't know. Wooman advises practitioners to apply themselves this way because his audience consisted of, of monastics. In modern time, we reserve this kind of practice for intense Chan retreats under the guidance of an experienced teacher. If you practice this intensely outside of retreat, you might not be able to function. During one retreat, a very diligent math teacher was practicing very intensely. After the retreat, back to teaching math at his university, somehow, as he was writing some formula on the board, he suddenly felt that he didn't know who was writing. Wu came back, and he naturally asked the question. He stopped writing, turned around, and asked his students, what is Wu? <laughs> of course, he soon snapped out of it, but his students must have thought he was nuts. <laughs> In daily life, although it is sufficient to maintain clarity and mindfulness of your actions when vex vexations arise, you might ask, what is Wu? To stop engaging in vexations, and when you can, return to your method. In your daily seated meditation, you may ask, what is Wu? However, if you want to use this case as your gongan, or wado method, you will have to get permission from a teacher to ensure you are using it correctly. So, um, I think it's Sandra. I think it is too. Okay, yes, it's me. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't feel that this woo has nothing to do with you. Am I right? Yes. You may ask yourself, who cares if the dog has Buddha nature or not? Actually, does these questions have anything to do with dog or Buddha nature? No. It has to do with you. The real question is, where is your Buddha nature? Who are you? I say something real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, his, I was, um, I mean, because this is a, such a well-known koan, there's a lot been written about it. And something I came across recently that it, I didn't know is that some of the cultural backgrounds suggest that um, the use of a dog is kind of an interesting choice because I, uh, from what I was reading at this point in time in the history of China, dogs were considered, you know, extremely low on the, on the, um, 
on the, on the beings that deserve care and consideration. So, you know, the author of this piece I was reading said something like, you know, if you were to translate the context to modern times, because the way we think about dogs, at least in the Western culture is like pets, you, know, you like pets. You, oh yeah, of course a dog has good nature. But I think you know, the suggestion was if you really want to get what this colon is getting at, you might say something like, you know, pick something vile, like does the coronavirus have Buddha nature? Does uh, a rat does a rat have Buddha nature? Yeah. So I think like that I don't know if that makes a difference for people if you replace dog with something that is you know, something that you would find lower on the food chain. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think that's <laughs> kind of an important uh historical context of the Yeah. Of how you when I, when I read it that way, because I, you know, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. How you conceptualize it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think it's Sarah. Sarah's, are you muted? You're muted, Sarah. Sarah? Maybe she can't unmute herself. She did. Okay. Oh, okay. It's kicked, it's keeping on kicking me off. And uh, is the paragraph that I would read, um, this method is at Watteau? Yes, yes, that's yours. Okay. This method is at Watteau that serves as a brick that you use to knock on the gate of Chan. In itself, the brick is meaningless, but it's useful to knock, to tap, to open up, to break through your fundamental exist existential dilemma about who you are. You cannot use it to intellectualize who you are. That would be just another form of discrimination, discriminating thought. You just have to ask and generate this not knowing. In time, through perseverance, quote, your practice will become pervasive and whole, unquote. When the conditions are ripe, Awakening will burst forth, astonishing heaven and shaking the earth, meaning your whole world will change. For the first time, you will experience the world without self-referentiality, grasping fabrications. This is like snatching General Guan Yu's sword into your own hands, slaying both Buddhists and lineage masters as you meet them. General Guan, who lived in 160 to 219, lived in the Han Dynasty. He supposedly won every battle he ever fought. This means that in every situation, without pretense, medi mediation, or fabrication, you are able to cut through discriminating thoughts, whether they are romantic notions about the Buddhas or the lineage masters and see things as they are. You will be able to both kill and give life. When you kill, what you kill are your constructs. What you give life to is the life of all beings. Are you guys back to the beginning? Yes, it's, uh, yeah, so it's you, Anne. Okay. You weren't with us at the very beginning, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Living life through your discursive thinking is actually not living at all. You project all of your own likes and dislikes onto the world around you. In doing so, you kill all opportunities and potentials. You live in your own world of having and lacking, of existence and non-existence. You live a fragmented life of contradictions. But if you are free from discriminating thinking, which is the fuel of your self-referentiality, you will be able to give life to all life. Isn't this delightful? Isn't this worth practicing for? <clears throat> the good news is that this freedom is your inheritance. It is not gained from outside you. All you need, all that you need in order to practice is already here. Yes, that includes all of your vexations, challenges in life, self-referential thinking. These are the ingredients of the path, the way through the gate of Chan. Allow all of these to be Wu. All there is to do is ask, what is Wu? If you go through this gate, then you are free to live as you are on this shore of birth and death without changing your occupation or leaving your household life. You can roam and play in Samadhi and the miss the six paths and four types of birth in all existence. Six paths and four types of birth refer to all situations. Samadhi here means oneness. So this statement means that in all situations of life, nothing is separated. There is no self-referentiality anywhere. At such a time, life becomes a playground in which to exercise wisdom and compassion not for self or others, but as, natural, but as a natural way to be. You, you then become that single spark that lights up all life. Otherwise, still living life in terms of having or lacking, you continue to harm yourself, whereby your life is lost. Okay. <clears throat> so... Uh... This maybe amplifies your view a little bit, uh, Govu's commentary. Uh, and so what I had thought we would do is have a breakout session so that we can, uh, we can have a chance to talk with just a few other people uh, about this, uh, this koan and your first reflection about it and what, whether uh, that, uh, has, that view has changed that you had when you did a little bit of writing, uh, that little five minutes of writing. So then we'll come back together and we'll, uh, and we'll talk about what we have discovered. So I think um, looks like 21 people. Um, this could be groups of three, but I'd like to have the groups be a little bit bigger. So maybe we'll have... It says five groups of four and then there'd be one person. Yeah, five, five groups of four would be good. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll come back at about 20 after. Okay. So about 20 minutes.
Hey, Sam. So good to see you. It's nice seeing you, Donna. I was looking, so I haven't seen you for a while. I know. Yes. I'm so glad you're back. You're back with yes. us. I decided to come and say, start reading again the books. Yes. Hi, Stephanie, Barbara. Hi, Sandra. <laughs> Hi, Anne. Hi. Hi. Nice seeing you. So, what discoveries did you make? What is who? What is who? <laughs> no, I wanted to ask you something, Peg. Yeah. I'm just curious because in the book they were saying that if you want to practice this, don't do it by yourself or no, you need to ask your teacher. Why, why do they say that? Why do they say that? Yes. Um, well, because you can really end up in the weeds. Um, and so <laughs> if, you decide, if you decide to take this on, there are many you know, sort of um, unfortunate paths you could end up on, including why should I go to work? Why should I do anything? Why should uh, I, you know? Uh, okay. So uh, it's, it's not uh, wise. Uh, and you may, and, and also you sometimes you falsely believe, oh, I've resolved this. I know this, I know the answer to this koan. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when a teacher will say, say to you, well, how tall is Wu? <laughs> <laughs> what color is Wu? You know? <laughs> You're kind of sunk, right? <laughs> so Peg, oh, I, I, I have a question about, about this. So if we're reading the koans like this on a weekly basis, um, do we just then let it go and move on to the next one next Monday? We will move on to the next one next Monday. Um, we're not we're not speeding through this book the way we do with the books where we're just reading each paragraph and just continuing. Um, we're taking some time to sort of practice with these and play with them a little bit and discover that sense of wonderment that Guogu talks about in the introduction. That you know that sense of mystification and wonder. And that's what they're really intended to evoke. So, yes, so that means this week, you can let this woo, this does a dog have Buddha nature, just percolate through your days and, uh, and see what, just see what comes up for you. It's not, um, it's not about finding an answer, really. It's about what does this evoke for you? So, so I wrestled with this koan for a number of years, so... Um, I know that it's a, it's a worthy opponent. <laughs> a worthy hey. adversary, as we like to say. Yes. Um, is there still like a little side discussion uh, for depth of practice? Is there still what? Uh, uh, a side discussion. Seems like there used to be a, a place where we could post things that we were reading. Oh, I don't think so. I don't know that we've done that. Mm -hmm. I have some dim memory of it from years ago. Oh, yeah, I, I've totally forgotten if whatever, what it, whatever it was that we were doing. I but. just thought it might be interesting to have a place where, where we, if we find things or have- That's certainly, yeah, that's whatever. certainly a possibility. Um, I'm trying to think where that would be probably 
it would probably be linked to the depth and practice page. I mean, I can create a blog for the depth and practice group on the website where, you, you know, people could post things if they wanted to. Um, I, I, just, I would just have to set it up. That's all. Yeah. So the other, my, the last part of this um, session, I wanted to find out if you think this is uh, an interesting way to work with this book. Um, and if it, um, if it piques your curiosity or, evokes your sense of wonder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. I really like it. Yeah. I like the book very yeah. much. Yes. Yeah. I like how playful it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The koans are very playful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And his language makes it very accessible. I like his, uh, I like his approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think the best answer to that question will be next week when we're able to spend this week on the yeah, con. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when we see if only four people come back, right? <laughs> actually, I, actually I have to, I'm going to be gone for the next six. Oh, because oh. I'm in another so that's, course. That's the so. other thing. I will be away the month of um, August. I actually won't be away. I'll be here, but I'll be on vacation. I won't be uh, doing any uh, programming. So we have to decide if you guys wish to go ahead with this, or if you want to, as we sometimes do when I'm away in the summer, um, take a break and take up some, uh, something else during that time, just for that month. Um, so sometimes it's a shorter text or something. Um, so we can, uh, we can uh, think about that. We don't have to decide anything right now, but you can think about that and think about um, uh, if there's something that you, you'd like to like us to tackle and I can maybe make suggestions too. So, all right. What did you say? I said, we don't want to get stuck in the weeds without you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, remember what they say, we cannot practice without you, Peg. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm well, curious. Go uh, ahead. I I'm curious, in the recording, should I eliminate the, the five-minute sittings? Yes. I have been doing that for some other things. Um, or should... I don't know. What do you think? Well, I could see it both ways. Like, if someone's... It's kind of cheating if you don't do the five minutes. You should eliminate the five minutes. Who's saying that? I wouldn't think that would Glenn, be any other votes? And my vote, since I do listen to recordings, is if a five-minute sit is part of it, I like having that space included to make time for my sit. So, okay, it's one to one. <laughs> yeah, I agree to keep it too because, uh, yeah, in the future when we watch it, we can like re-practice. So it's nice that way. I agree, yeah. and also, and then if somebody doesn't want to sit or they're just listening for the content. They can fast forward. Mm -hmm. True. 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 Or they can do their ironing like I do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, also if you, the fact that you know it's five minutes, you can yeah. move it. You know, look at the timeline and add five and. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'll do that for this time. And I think because see. this is our process, if it, if it were just you know, like the five minutes sitting at the beginning, that might not be necessary um, in a recording, but uh, but these are part of that process that, um, that set people up for the room. Yeah, I'll, I will eliminate the breakout room time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Thanks, it's great Adam. that we're getting these. And, um, and, and as you know, since we record them, if you have to miss, then you can catch up. Right? Okay. All right. Great to see everybody. Hope to see you all next week. Take Thanks. care. Thank Have a wonderful week. You everybody. See if you notice any dogs with Buddha nature. <laughs> Take care. Have Bye -bye. a good week. Thank good night. Bye-bye.